today we want to continue with the series on the last days and uh, to bring us up to speed as to where we are in the series thus far is that in the previous teaching we had a look at the nation of Israel and um, we saw that there are in scripture there's two uh, types of Israel basically that is revealed to us in scripture there's what I term natural Israel and then spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel is uh, the church in the earth today which comprises of both Jewish and Gentile believers. And then there's natural Israel, which are all the Jews who are descended from Abraham after the flesh. Um, and we saw that there are then two covenants in the earth. The first covenant is the old covenant, which the Jews uh, after the flesh today have with God. Now, a lot of the Jews don't observe their covenant because the majority of the Jewish nation today are in fact um, godless from that point of view <clears throat> but nevertheless the covenant still stands and that covenant has not been done away with and then there's the new covenant the new covenant is for the church and all Jews who become believers in Jesus Christ as their Messiah then partake of the new covenant and the old covenant in their lives becomes obsolete but nevertheless the two covenants still stand in the earth today and both covenants the new covenant being an eternal covenant uh, the Old Covenant is a covenant pertaining only to this life. It has no eternal ramifications whatsoever. And so or even though the Jews uh, still partake of the Old Covenant, um, that does not qualify them to enter into heaven when they die, for they have to believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah in order to be born again, just like the Gentiles do. Um, and so we saw that the Old Covenant today is meant to tutor the, the Jews to bring them in, uh, to a relationship in Christ. Galatians 3.24 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And so the law that the Jews are under today is just like it was in Paul's day. The law was there to tutor him to bring him to Christ. And so it is today. And then we had a look at um, how God dispersed Israel throughout the earth. Um, we saw the first dispersion took place um, in 604 BC. That was when Judah finally uh, God uh, uh, took out of the land of Israel. Prior to that, about a hundred years prior to that, maybe a bit more, he took Israel uh, out of uh, Samaria and um, he then distributed them throughout the earth basically. And then in 450 BC <coughs> we saw that uh, God restored Israel to the land of Judah and the temple was rebuilt but he never restored Israel as a sovereign nation again um, and then we saw in AD 70 our Lord predicted that that temple would be destroyed and that the Jews would then be uh, scattered throughout the earth and that's exactly what happened in AD uh, 70 and then we saw that the, the Lord prophesied that he would once again bring the Jews back into the geographic location of Israel. Not talking about spiritual Israel now, we're talking about natural Israel. And then we saw <coughs> the, that there has, in fact, that, that has transpired. In 1948, Israel was once again born again, uh, born, born as a nation. Um, and, uh, and so when God first brought the Jews back in 450 BC, they built their temple, but they were not a sovereign nation. Now that God has brought them back once again, um, in well from really the turn of the last century they started coming back there but in 1948 it became official 
Um, God restored them as a sovereign nation, but their temple has not yet been rebuilt, and that is still to happen. And so we saw that uh, God has uh, prophesied that they will all be brought back into the land of Israel, and once they're in, then God will deal with them and in bringing them back into the kingdom of God, in other words, making them part of spiritual Israel. But firstly, he would bring back the Jews from around the earth back into the geographic location of where we see natural Israel today. And we've seen how that um, more and more Jews are uh, coming into Israel. And so in 19, we said 1975, there were roughly 11 million Jews. There's roughly a population of about 16, just short of 16 million Jews in the earth today. And in 1975, there's roughly 11 million Jews living outside of Israel. So the vast majority were outside and, and, and fewer inside. That has swung around completely. <clears throat> Today there's less than 8 million Jews living outside of Israel. And so the majority of the Jews are living inside of Israel. But nevertheless, that has not yet, that particular prophetic utterance given by God pertaining to the end times has not yet been fulfilled. It is in the process of being fulfilled. We're seeing that being fulfilled in front of our eyes, basically. And then we said also that within the, the Jewish nation, that uh, the church in the Jewish nation would also begin to grow in, um, in size. And uh, we quoted that in 1948, there were a total of 25 Jewish believers um, in Israel at the time. And currently there's roughly 200 or a bit more um, small fellowship groups throughout Israel who are born-again believers. Now, they don't like to be called Christians, but nevertheless they are. Um, they call themselves Jews for Jesus and Messianic Jews. But nevertheless, they're born again and they're in the church. And so the church is growing in Israel, but it is still minuscule in comparison to the population of Israel. And so we said that, that would, what would happen is that, <clears throat> just like it, it did at the beginning of the church age, um, it, the church started off completely 100% Jewish um, and that lasted for roughly about six years and then the Gentiles started to come into the church and as that happened so what happened is the number of Jewish believers dropped off and the Gentile believers grew and grew and grew until the, the Gentile believers became the predominant population group within the church. That we seen uh, starting to swing back again in that um, the Gentile believers are starting to decline in number across the earth and the, Gentile, the Jewish believers are starting to increase in number. Now again, percentage-wise, it's minuscule, but nevertheless, number-wise, we are starting to see that increase taking place. And so that's God's prophetic utterance being fulfilled right there. Today, what we want to look at <clears throat> is we'll want, we're still focusing on Israel because um, we, we, as I've said in the series thus far, that if you want to look at the end times and what's going to take place in the earth at the end times, you have to look at natural Israel and you have to look at uh, geographic location of Babylon because Babylon being where the Antichrist and his kingdom will come from and natural Israel being the, the, the focal point that God has in the earth for his end times. And so we're looking today at the geographic location of Israel because in the previous teaching we dealt with the, the population of the Jews uh, and how God is going to be dealing with them um, with regards to bringing them back into that geographic location. 
But today I want to look at um, what the Lord has got to say or has said uh, pertaining to the geographic land of Israel because that's God's land. Um, he has set that land apart for himself. He's consecrated it for himself and you know, God's going to do what he wants to do in that piece of real estate in the earth because it belongs to God. And so the first scripture we want to open with today is the um, word of the Lord given to the prophet Moses when God explained to Moses what the borders would be of the nation of Israel. That's before Israel went into the land of Canaan. Um, God then um, put out on a map, really, for Moses, and he said, this is where your borders will extend to, from north to south, from east to west. So we'll look at that passage of Scripture, and we'll then bring that across into a modern-day map so we can see where it is that God had said to the Jews, this is the land I'm giving you. And so we can then pick it up from there. So the scripture will pick it up in Numbers chapter 34, verses 1 through to 12. <clears throat> the scripture says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you as an inheritance. The land of Canaan to its boundaries. Verse 3. Your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin, along the border of Edom, then your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the salt sea. Your border shall turn from the southern side of the accent of Akrabim, continue to Zin, and be on the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it shall go on to Hazel Adar and continue to Asmon. Verse 5. The border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and it shall end at the sea. Verse 6. As for the western border, you shall have the great sea for a border. This shall be your western border. Verse 7, And this shall be your northern border. From the great sea you shall mark out your border line to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor you shall mark out your border to the entrance of Hamath. Then the direction of the border shall um, be towards Zedad. Verse 9, The border shall proceed to Zephron, and it shall end at Hazor Enan. This shall be your northern border. You shall mark out your eastern border from Hazar Enan to Shephem. Verse 11. The border shall go down from Shephem to Ribla on the east side of Ain. The border shall go down and reach to the eastern side of the Sea of Chinnereth. Verse 12. The border shall go down along the Jordan and it shall end at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. And so God was very specific to the prophet Moses as to the territory that he had given to the children of Israel. Now, obviously when God uh, gave this territory to Moses and he set out the borders, Israel hadn't yet even crossed over the Jordan. So they had not taken possession of any of that land. But nevertheless, God said to Israel, this is the land I'm giving you. And God was very specific in describing the boundaries that he had given to them. Now, if we take that particular map, because I mean, all of those names that we look at and we in Scripture today, uh, we can't really can't tie. We can tie the Western Sea and the, the Salt Sea and, and, and geographic locations like that. But nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> we can go back in historical records 
and we can take that across into a modern-day map. And if we were to look at a modern-day map and then draw those borders onto a modern-day map, that God had decreed these are the borders given to the children of Israel. This is the geographic location I've allocated to them. For he said, this shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. That land today, um, as I say, if you go look at it on a, on a, on a modern day map, includes the current um, geographic location of Israel. But it also includes four different uh, territories which are not currently a part of Israel. And that is the Gaza Peninsula, that is the, um, the Western, uh, West, uh, the West Bank they call it, the West Bank and including the Golan Heights. Um, and it also includes southern Lebanon and southwestern Syria. Now, as I say, if you, go, as you, draw, you draw the map on today's map, those borders, that's what it includes. And so currently what we see that God has thus far brought to fulfillment is that all of the territory is included in Israel except uh, the Gaza Peninsula, the West Bank, including the Golan Heights, southern Lebanon and southwestern Syria. And so <clears throat> although Israel does in fact um, govern the Gaza Peninsula and she does govern the West Bank, uh, legally the world does not recognize those territories as being part of Israel because what happened is in the 1967 uh, war, uh, I think it was called the Six Day War, um, it, uh, the Arabs invaded Israel, Israel fought back, and Israel then conquered those territories and has not ever given them back per se to the Arab uh, nations. She's kept them under her control. But nevertheless, <coughs> she's kind of acknowledged legally that she doesn't have access to them, although she does, basically. But getting back to when God ga gave those territories to, to Israel when Moses was the prophet, um, it took a long time for God to bring that to fulfillment because it didn't happen under Joshua's leadership when Joshua took Israel into the Promised Land. Uh, they conquered a large part of that territory, but they didn't conquer at all. It, it was only under the reign of King David that Israel finally reached to the full extent of the borders that God <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> had prophesied through his prophet Moses would happen. And so under King David, that's when Israel reached the full extent of the, the borders. And that includes what we would see on the current map today, which would include uh, the Gaza Peninsula, um, would include the West Bank, would include the Golan Heights, would include southern Lebanon, and would include southwestern Syria. That was the extent of Israel's territory under King David. It reached to that point. Now, um, after King David, uh, the, the territory remained pretty much intact under King Solomon, but towards the end of his reign, because King, uh, King Solomon did go off uh, on a tangent, and he, you know, he did, ah, he, got, he got sidetracked by all those wives that he had, they drew him aside, and he, he started going off after other gods, and so God then uh, judged, and so <clears throat> we dealt with, like I mentioned it uh, briefly, that at the end of Solomon's reign, God raised up Jeroboam, and God then um, took ten of the tribes away from uh, King David's uh, family, 
and, and those tribes he placed under Jeroboam and that became Israel. Um, Judah was then born and Judah and Benjamin basically was reigned over by Solomon's uh, children going down that line. And so we had the two nations basically that was then created, um, Israel and Judah. Now <clears throat> what happened is from that point in time all the way up until uh, Judah was finally conquered and by Nebuchadnezzar and she was taken out of Israel in that geographic location, location entirely, God had by piecemeal had started to take territory away from Israel. And I think the first that went were the, the three tribes or two and a half tribes. Um, oh, I think it was Manasseh was one of them. There were, yeah, I'm not going to get into that right now. There were two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan. They decided they wanted to stay on the other side when Joshua brought uh, Israel into Canaan. Um, and so they lost their territory first. And then slowly God cut them down, cut them down until he took them out completely. Now, that all transpired up until 604 BC. Now, what happened uh, when God took um, Israel and well, Judah really into captivity into Babylon is that um, he started to raise up prophets that would prophesy about the end times. Now he, he started to raise up prophets about the end times just prior to that. He raised up Isaiah. Isaiah was the, the prophet that the Lord used uh, extensively about the end times and also prophesied about our Lord's coming and a whole lot of things around our Lord's ministry and uh, his death and burial and resurrection. Um, our Lord raised up <coughs> Isaiah the prophet towards the end of Israel. I'm talking about Israel in Samaria now, uh, towards the end of their existence. Um, and so Isaiah was there until Israel was taken into captivity. And then our Lord raised up uh, Jeremiah <coughs> after Isaiah, and he was raised up in the period just before Judah was then um, conquered and taken into captivity. And then after Jeremiah, we have a whole lot of prophets that our Lord appoints among the Jews in captivity. And Daniel was one of them, and we've looked at a, a few of his um, visions and prophetic utterances thus far. The other prophet that our Lord raised up in this period was the prophet Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel the Lord also used extensively in showing him visions of the end times and what would transpire in the end times. And so we're going to be looking at some of Ezekiel's uh, uh, visions and prophecies today because they uh, are very pertinent to specifically to the, the nation of Israel. And so <clears throat> the, we're not going to look at it in detail because, you know, it's very extensive. But if you go read the account from in Ezekiel chapter 40 through to chapter 47, God gives the, the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel was also a priest, he was a Levitical priest, um, but he gives him a very detailed um, description of Israel, natural Israel, as it exists in the last days. Now, a lot of people have taken that portion of Ezekiel's vision, because the Lord showed Ezekiel a number of visions, and obviously a number of uh, truths in those visions. But I'm talking specifically about the vision that the Lord gave to Ezekiel from chapter 40 through to chapter 47, which is really the end of Ezekiel's uh, book. Now, in those seven chapters, God gives Ezekiel a very detailed breakdown of what Israel will be like in the last days. Now, as I say, a number of uh, people have taken those chapters 
and have said, well, that is now speaking about the church during our Lord's millennial reign, when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth with his church and he sets up his reign in the city of Jerusalem and the church will then reign over the earth from that location. That's the geographic location where the church will be housed and all that God showed um, Ezekiel from four, uh, chapter 40 to 47 is in fact the Lord's millennial reign period, which is completely wrong uh, because if you just go read that account, it doesn't take too much uh, common sense to tell you, well, that crime cannot be the case because uh, in that particular passage of scripture, uh, God talk, uh, teaches the, the Jews again about sacrifice offering up sacrifices for sin, offering up sacrifices, peace offerings, um, talks about becoming defiled and how you have to cleanse yourself, talks about people dying uh, and, and how to deal with an issue when somebody dies in, in Israel at that time. Um, talks about all <coughs> things pertaining to this life. Because don't forget, when we come into the earth once again with our Lord Jesus, when we return, we'll all be in our resurrected bodies. We will all be immortal. No one will be dying. And the church will not be offering up any sin sacrifice uh, to God at that time. Um, because you know, she will be completely spotless and she'll be you know, reigning with the Lord Jesus. And, and so chapter 40 to 47, and you're going to have to read it, it's a long account, um, and it's outside of the scope of this teaching, we're not going to get into it in any kind of depth, it definitely pertains to God describing what Israel, the nation of Israel, will be like in the end times. Now, having said that, there is a very small portion um, in that chapter 47, from verse 1 to verse 12, where the Lord does interject the millennial reign of our Lord. Because it's in that passage that um, the Lord shows the prophet Ezekiel the river of life that flows from the, the, the right side of the throne, the south of the throne, um, out of the temple, and it goes through the city of Jerusalem and down into the sea. And that is the river of life. Now that pertains to when our Lord Jesus Christ does in fact return to the earth. But it's those 12 verses of scripture only uh, that pertains to the Lord's millennial reign. And then after that it goes back into uh, describing what the earth will be like um, in the latter times when Israel is in that geographic location. So it's very important that you read chapters 40 to 47 in that light. Because if you try and read it in the light of, um, well, this is now the Lord's millennial reign, well, then you have a whole lot of questions that you just can't answer. Because, you know, why are people dying and we having to make sin sacrifices? And why um, are we still having to observe all of these laws that pertain to the old covenant? Um, and it just, none of it makes sense. And where's the Lord Jesus? Because it talks about, uh, a, an earthly uh, king who, or prince he calls him, a ruler, uh, who has children, who is able to give his children uh, part of his inheritance, but he can't give to his servants that inheritance. Uh, when he dies, that inheritance has to come back to his children. So, you know, all of that is so speaking about this life and not speaking about our Lord's millennial reign. But nevertheless, having said that, verse uh, chapter 47, 1 to 12, that definitely is uh, an account of the Lord just in interjecting into 
that vision, what it will be like when our Lord Jesus, in fact, does reign uh, from the, the city of Jerusalem in, when, in his millennial reign. And so that particular, as I say, that passage of seven chapters are very detailed to the Jews <coughs> and explain to them the priestly um, um, order that will once again be set up, that Levitical priesthood and how they are to observe the sacrifices and how they are, are to observe the laws of Moses. Um, it is very detailed in um, the government governance that will take place that in, in the nation of Israel. It's detailed about um, their geographic location and we're wanting to focus on that in today's teaching. Um, it's, it just, just describes and it's extremely detailed on the construction of the temple. Now, let's just take a little bit of a side journey here. Um, I did kind of mention it before. When, when God built the first temple, I'm not talking about the tabernacle now that Moses built in the, in the wilderness, which is, was a tent. I'm talking about the temple that um, Solomon built. God gave to David the design for that temple. David passed that on to Solomon. Solomon built it. But we don't see a lot of description uh, about that temple. We see some description, but there's not enough for any architect to be able to go and build that temple today according to the pattern given to them by God because there's just not enough detail there. The second temple that was built when the Jews came back out of captivity in Babylon, again, there's some description about that temple, but not a lot of detail. No, Again, no architect would be able to take that uh, detail given to us in scripture and be able to go construct that temple according to the pattern given to them by God because there's just not enough detail there. However, with regards to the temple description given to the, the prophet Ezekiel in chapters 40 to 47 regarding the construction of the temple, there is extreme detail given to us in scripture. So that an architect today, and in fact the Jews have done it, Israel, they have um, put together the plans, uh, they've drawn up the plans on how that temple is to be constructed because it is that detailed. Now the Lord knew that that needed to be given in scripture uh, because he knew that that temple was still to be built. And so God needed uh, the Jews to be able to build that temple. And that's what he's done. He's given them complete detail on how to build that temple. <clears throat> but we're wanting to concentrate on the geographic uh, land of Israel in today's teaching because it's pertinent to the end times. Now again, you know, we've done in these, these t teachings thus far, we looked at historical, uh, you know, we've gone back in history and we looked at certain aspects of history. We've looked at geography because we've had to look at that. Um, and today we're going to also be looking at some geography because again, if we wanting to understand what the, what's going to happen in the last days, well then we need to understand certain aspects. Uh, pertaining to just normal life as well. And here we're talking about the geography of the land of Israel. And so we want you to now read the account because what happens in Ezekiel's uh, vision, God gives him a whole bunch of detail. But one of the things that God does is God once again tells the prophet Ezekiel, he, he lays out their boundaries again. So as he did with Moses, and he gave Moses a complete detailed breakdown of the geographic location of Israel's boundaries, 
He does exactly the same with the prophet Ezekiel. He gives uh, Ezekiel a complete geographic breakdown of the boundaries of Israel. And so, now Israel didn't exist at that time because she had been completely taken out of Judea and she was in captivity. So what Ezekiel sees is the boundaries that God has decreed would pertain to natural Israel in the last days. This is not the church. Because again, let me just throw this in quickly. Now, when the church returns, you know, the church uh, population currently is roughly about 100 million strong. Now, if you bring that population and you try and fit that population group into these geographic boundaries, we'll be standing next to each other shoulder to shoulder. We won't be a, a place to move, never mind about being able to uh, do the stuff that God called us to do. But nevertheless, so this geographic location, although it's a, a larger location than Israel currently occupies, it is not nearly anywhere near large enough for the geographic location that the church will occupy when she returns to the earth. But we are, that's, a, again, just a side journey. So let's have a look at the boundaries that the Lord gave to the prophet Ezekiel as pertaining to what Israel's boundaries will be like in the last days. And we pick it up in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 13 to 21. Remember I said verse 1 to 12 pertains to the Lord's millennial reign, and now verse 13 to 21, the Lord goes back to showing uh, Ezekiel what Israel will be like in the last days before our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Scripture says, Thus says the Lord God, these are the borders by which you shall divide the land as an inheritance among the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions. You shall, <coughs> you shall inherit it equally with one another. For I raised my hand in an oath to give it to your fathers. And this land shall fall to you as your inheritance. Verse 15. This shall be the border of the land of the north from the great sea, by the road of Hethlon, as one goes to Zedad, Hamath, Berathath, Zibriam, which is between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, to Hazar, Hetikan, which is on the border of Huram. Thus the boundary shall be from the sea to Hazar, Enon, the border of Damascus, and from as far as the north, northward, it is the border of Hamath. This is the north side. On the east side you shall mark out the border between Haran and Damascus and between Gilead and the land of Israel along the Jordan and along the eastern side of the sea. This is the east side. The south side toward the south shall be from Tamar to the waters of Meribah by Kadesh along the brook to the great sea. This is the south side toward the south. The west side shall be the great sea from the southern boundary until one comes to the point opposite Hamath. This is the west side. Thus you shall divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. And so here God is very specific to his prophet in describing the, the borders of the nation of Israel that will exist in the last days. Because God said, this is the land I've promised to your fathers. I've sworn it in an oath. It's given to them and this is what their boundaries are. Now, if you take the, the boundaries that our Lord described to his prophet Ezekiel and you compare it to the boundaries that our Lord described to his prophet Moses, 
They're identical. You put them both on the map and they, they follow the same line. And so God has not deviated in the, with regards to the, the, the land that he's given to the children of Israel right from the, the start, even until uh, the end days. That's the land that God has uh, designated for the children of Israel. That's what God's going to give them. That's their inheritance. Uh, and they will occupy that land. And so when we're dealing with the end times, we're going to be looking at some uh, political aspects about around this issue as well, because it all has to tie in, but it all goes back to what God has said would happen. And what God has said would happen in Scripture will happen, because He's God, and so it comes about. Uh, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, for anybody to say, well, and to start preaching that Israel was going to be where it is today, yeah, everybody would laugh because you know, that was just an impossibility. But nevertheless, there they are. And so God is going to bring all of this to fruition because God is God and He said it would happen and so thus it would happen. And so we study Scripture, we see what God says about things and we just say, okay, well this is how it's going to happen or this is what's going to happen, shall we say. And so let's see how God is going to bring this to, to fruition because He will. He'll bring it to fruition. And so... <clears throat> Of both those maps, as I say, you go put both uh, boundaries um, on, a, on a map today and they're almost identical, obviously because, you know, uh, towns have changed in name and slight geographic location, but primarily the borders look ex almost exactly the same. And so God has not deviated on what he's given to his children in Israel. But there are four territories that have to be added because it is the, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, which includes the Golan Heights, um, southern Lebanon, and southwestern Syria. Now, those four territories are not legally a part of Israel at this point in time. Although geographically, Israel does kind of have the Gaza and the West Bank under her domain. Um, she's kind of, you know, she doesn't go in there. Um, they are given to the Palestinians. The Palestinians live there. But more and more pressure is being put upon Israel to do developments, in, specifically in the West Bank and in Jerusalem. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, God's starting to push, you know, because Israel has to occupy those lands and she has to be in full possession of those lands. But now we get to southern Lebanon and we get to southwestern Syria. I mean, those are um, lands that are, you know, in... in um, in nations that are you know, politically recognized throughout the earth as being sovereign nations. So how does Israel get to uh, bring, incorporate those sections of those nations into her territory? Um, well, the way she'll do it, it and again, now, now we, we're kind of um, are, are saying this is how it can be done. It will be done. God has said it's going to happen. So that's a given. We're just now looking at how, how it is possible that God could bring this about. Um, because again, we, you know, God's God and God will work out how He wants things to work out. But if we tie in what is currently happening and what has happened in the past, we can kind of see, okay, well, it, it's very feasible that this is how God is going to add these territories to the nation of Israel. And so these territories do have to be added to the nation of Israel. God said they would be, and that's a, that's a given. That's going to happen. So, how did Israel add in the past? Well, again, let's go back to the 1967 Six-Day War. 
She added the West Bank currently and the Gaza Strip and the city of Jerusalem through that war. Now that was not a war of aggression on Israel's part. In other words, Israel didn't say, well, we want those lands, so we're going to go conquer them and we're going to bring them into Israel. Not at all. What happened is uh, Israel's neighbors invaded her. And in response, in retaliation, she fought back. When she did, she conquered those territories and they became part, including the Golan Heights, became part of Israel. And Israel didn't retreat after that. She stayed there. She, she drew those borders and she said, I'm staying here. Now, technically speaking, the world has said, well, that's not yours. You can't be there. And they call it occupied territories. Israel has kind of, you know, let it uh, ride. But in Israel's mind, that's hers. In God's mind, it's definitely hers. Um, and so that's how those territories were added. And so if we take that concept and we extrapolate that into the future, then it is very possible that through an, uh, another war, a conflict that is, has to be fought by Israel, she will then gain those two other territories that have not yet been added to her geographic location, which is southern uh, Lebanon and southwestern Syria. Now, <clears throat> it is very interesting to see what is transpiring in the Middle East today around those issues? Because uh, we can see that you know, God's actually starting to put this together. Because what has happened is that those territories, all of those territories, are currently controlled by uh, an orga organization called Hezbollah. Now Hezbollah is a, a Shia uh, Muslim uh, stream. A political party and also a military wing and they have a very strong presence in southern Lebanon southwestern Syria the West Bank and obviously Gaza and they are in fact Israel's arch enemy in the earth today if you have a look at what's going on politically currently it is really those that part of the the Muslim world that is really against Israel at the moment so much so that you're actually seeing um, other Muslim nations kind of, you know, almost reaching out to Israel. They're having some kind of relationships that are, are starting to develop with Israel. But there's the animosity. The animosity is where, where this organization called Hezbollah is, is, is focused. And it's in those territories that have to be added to Israel. As per scriptural account given to the prophet Ezekiel. And so... Um, it's, it's very interesting to see how this is actually starting to take place because within the Muslim faith, because don't forget, we've right from the outset, we've said that the Muslim faith is in fact going to be the fourth kingdom from which the Antichrist will arise. But within the Muslim faith, there are these two dominant streams, and that is the Sunni stream and the Shia stream. Now, these two streams are pretty much opposed to each other. They're not, they're both Muslim, but they are not really in the same camp. And so there's been a lot of conflict that has arisen over this uh, quite a period of time between these two um, d uh, d um, streams of, of, of Islam uh, in, in, that, in that area. And, and the conflict that has broken out in uh, Iraq and in Syria has pretty much been uh, faith-based because <coughs> the the... Shia and the Sunnis have, have clashed in this issue, and that's really where that conflict has, has really arisen from. 
And so we have in, and as I said, we're looking at geography today and we're looking at political today because we're wanting to now see how God is really, can it happen and how soon is it possible that this can happen, where God is now going to restore these territories to the nation of Israel. And we, we've seen that it, it, it's actually possible that it can happen. And it's interesting that the current defense minister of Israel has categorically stated on record that the, their next war that they're going to fight is going to be with Hezbollah. And he says it will be on their northern border and it will be in Gaza. And their northern border includes southern uh, Lebanon and includes southwestern Syria. He's, he's spoken about those geographic locations. And so he's not gone to Ezekiel's, well I doubt whether he's gone to Ezekiel's prophecy and read it and said, okay, well this is what we have to do, guys. Um, he's just, you know, reacting as a political leader. Well, he's a defense minister. Um, and, and he's reacting to the, the threat that is posed against Israel currently. And that threat is with Hezbollah. Um, that political party is a military wing. Is all Shia backed? Now, the, the strong um, power base of, Shia, of the Shia Muslim faith is in Iran. Um, now, again, as I said, the, we've got these two streams within the Islamic faith, the Sunni stream and the Shia stream. Now, the two um, leading power bases within the Arabic world that lead these two streams, you have Iran, which is the head of the Shia stream, and you have Saudi Arabia, which is the head of the Sunni stream. And these two nations, if you just look at the political situation that's taking place today, are pretty much at loggerheads with each other and are very much at odds against each other and uh, are even threatening each other. In fact, um, Iran has via Yemen, and I'm getting very political, but uh, you just need to understand what's going on there, uh, via Yemen have actually almost like tried to instigate some kind of a war with Saudi Arabia. And so th there's this conflict between these two very powerful nations both of them heading up two different streams of the Islamic faith. Now Hezbollah is aligned to Iran. Iran is their strong backer. Um, <clears throat> whereas um, Syria under Assad really, uh, the Sunni is uh, aligned with Saudi Arabia. So it, it gets complicated on that issue. But nevertheless, again just getting back to the territories where Israel has to add those territories to her geographic location. It's where Hezbollah is based. Uh, Gaza, West Bank, southern Lebanon, and southwestern Syria. And that is Israel's current arch enemy. They're out to destroy Israel. They do not want Israel. They, they want Israel to be completely under their control. So you can see that the, the potential of the conflict and as I've said in the past, what has happened, Israel has added to the territories through conflict. Now again, a conflict of, of defense, not a conflict of aggression. And so it is very possible that that war will break out and Israel will retaliate and will defend herself and in doing so, extend her borders to include southern Lebanon and southwestern uh, Syria. And thus, she will be in control geographically of all of the area that God said she would be. Now I understand that there's still going to be the Palestinians living inside the West Bank and living inside Gaza, but God's going to deal with that issue as well. <clears throat> and so what you will see, if that war does break out, because of the, 
the animosity that is between um, Saudi Arabia and Iran at the moment. Because don't forget, Iran will back Hezbollah in that war against Israel. The rest of the Arab world, by and large, is Sunni. And so they will, because of the, the, the animosity between um, Saudi Arabia and Iran at this point in time, and Saudi Arabia's allies, the rest of the Arabian world will actually stand back and allow Israel to do what she needs to do to defend herself and also increase her territories, thus giving her more security on her northern borders. The, you will see that the Sunni Arab world will basically just stand back and allow that to happen. And again, as I say, we're seeing um, almost like a friendliness between the Sunni Arabs and Israel starting to take place because both are recognizing that Iran is actually their potential enemy. Shia Muslims are their potential enemy. Why do we say that? Because it is Iran who has been trying to gain nuclear weapons. And, uh, you know, if Iran were to obtain nuclear weapons in that area, it would completely destabilize uh, that area. And so, you know, <clears throat> when Israel defends herself and she then takes these territories, the other Sunni Arab nations will stand back and allow Israel to do that because they do not want to see Iran growing in influence in that area because they see Iran as, an in, as a threat to their own sovereignty um, as nations. And so that just gives us a kind of how the political landscape um, is kind of starting to fall into place for God to bring about this increase in Israel's territories so that Israel will then eventually <coughs> take over geographic southern uh, Lebanon and southwestern Syria as God, right, I don't know, what we looking about 3,000 years ago when he spoke to uh, Ezekiel, he said this is what it's going to look like. And it looked like exactly what he told Moses it was going to look like, which, as I say, uh, Israel managed to get right under David, but never again since then. Now, something else that will happen at that time. Um, again, all of this seems like science fiction stuff, but it's nevertheless going to happen. The reason it will happen is because God said it would happen. Now, again, what we're doing today is we're kind of speculating how it will happen, but nevertheless it will happen. Again, if you go back and you look at Ezekiel's vision that the Lord gave um, to him, pertaining to Israel in the last days. And you go look at the word, and we'll look at the, 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 temp, the temple in another teaching. We're not going to touch on that today. But go look at <coughs> how the Lord describes the temple and the temple mount. Um, he says that whole temple mount is holy unto the Lord and separated unto God. Now currently, we all know that there's the Dome of the Rock and the um, Al-Ask Mosque on that particular location where Israel needs to rebuild her temple. Now there's been people who said, okay, what will happen is Israel will build the temple on a section and so it should be next door to the, uh, the, the dome on the rock and will be next door to this Al-Ask Mosque and so that's how God's going to do it. Um, but that's not the case because God has said that whole mount is, is holy unto the Lord. And you go look at in, in Ezekiel's prophecy, there's just nothing. God will not allow his temple to be built next door to a shrine that he's against, that he's um, venerating what will become the Antichrist and his reign. So that's not going to happen. Not, not according to God, okay? I, I, I'm not talking about what the world thinks and how people think it will happen. I'm talking about what God says on the issue.
God says, uh uh-uh, temple only. That's what's going to be there. Now, uh, people have said, okay, well, the temple shouldn't be there. It should be somewhere else. No, not at all. That's the, way that, that's the temple location. The Jews know that, and that's where they're going to build their temple. So how's that going to happen? Because the dome is there, and that Al-Ask Mosque is there, and they are very holy sites in the Muslim faith. Ah, but now we get to a, another point. They are very holy sites in the Shia Muslim faith. They are not so holy toward, as far as the Sunni Muslims are concerned. And so we get in a, a, a bit of an idea of what could transpire again. If and when this war does break out, something will transpire and those two shrines, Shia Muslim shrines, will be destroyed. How it will happen, I don't know. God will do it. And that will do away with the problem that currently exists because that is a problem because if the Jews were to try and rebuild their temple currently huge conflict um, but God's going to do something I don't know what he's going to do but he's going to do something that those two Shia um, holy sites will be done away with thus paving the way for the temple to re- be rebuilt on that location and only the temple of God will be built there and so that's a very interesting scenario that we can watch out for to see how God will bring that about because he will he said it would happen it's going to happen um, it's just it seems to be that if that conflict does break out that we've been discussing with Hezbollah thus far it seems to be that something will transpire that will cause those two shrines to be demolished I'm not too sure what will transpire, but it, it seems to be that within that conflict that will arise, that those two shrines will be destroyed. And it will pave the way for Israel to be able to build her temple on that location. Now, in this whole vision given to the prophet Ezekiel, what God says to Ezekiel is that those territories, and again you have to go and look at that, read that whole account, those territories have to be allocated out to the whole nation of Israel, not just to Judah and to the tribe of Benjamin. Because currently uh, the Jews have a problem, okay? They can identify who's of Jewish origin. Now Jewish origin means that they really came from the tribe of Judah. That's where the name Jew came from. But what about the rest of the tribes? Because Ezekiel gets his pro- uh, prophecy from the Lord, and the Lord is very specific about all the tribes getting the inheritance. In fact, he specifies Joseph gets two portions. Um, but currently the Jews today don't know who a Jew is because they've just lost their lineage. You know, they, they can trace their lineage, the Jews can trace their lineage back to, um, to King David by and large. But the rest of the tribes of Israel, they can't trace their lineage because all of those records were destroyed um, when Israel was, when the temple was destroyed and burned and Israel was scattered throughout the earth. And so for Israel, because don't forget we said God is, uh, has preordained that all of the Jews will be brought back to that geographic location. Now when that happens, God has said they're going to be they're going to receive their inheritance. What about the Palestinians? We're going to touch on them today. But God will, what will happen is the Palestinians will be taken out of Israel. How God's going to do it, where He's going to house them, because they will obviously go to a separate, another location. This, the two-state solution that everybody keeps talking about is not going to happen, because God will, 
it's going to be a one-state solution as far as God's concerned. So all the Palestinians will be taken out of Israel. They will be uh, located in another location. But that's just another aside. But all the Jews will be brought back into that location. And God will allocate out their territories by a lot. But now God's got a problem because the Jews actually don't know who the Jews are. Um, now, they could go the DNA route to work out who's who, in, but even within the DNA route, they're pretty limited in their DNA uh, sampling that they can get because they can really go back in the Jewish line to David and they can go back in the Levitical line. But with regards to the other um, 10 tribes, yeah, very difficult. With the tribe of Benjamin, they can by, by and large go back, but the others not. But, you know, God's God, and so. When God restores all of this, one of the things that he's going to restore is the Levitical priesthood and the temple worship. All of that's going to be restored. Now, one of the things that goes with that is the ephod. Um, and with the ephod, there is the, the Urim and the Thummim. Now, that is um, one of the ways that God uh, led Israel under the Old Covenant. The high priest would wear the, the ephod, which had a breastplate on it. And on that breastplate, there were a number of stones and things, but there were these two stones called the Urim and the Thummim. And so what they would do, if they were inquiring of God, God, should we do this or should we do that? They would inquire through this ephod, and the one stone would light up and say, yes, you can do that. The other stone would light up and say, no, you can't do that. So one was a yes answer, one was a no answer. Now, <clears throat> what God did when Israel came back, from captivity in Babylon. Again, all of the records have been destroyed. And so there were a whole lot of Levites that were coming back and they couldn't work out who was acceptable to be able to serve as a priest and who wasn't because they couldn't work out their lineage anymore because some of the records had been destroyed. Some of the guys they could work out, okay, there's your lineage all the way back. But some of the guys came back and said, wait a minute, I'm a Levite priest, but their records had been destroyed and so they couldn't trace their lineage back. So how they overcame that issue is they, con they, they consulted the ephod. And you can pick it up in Nehemiah six, uh, 765. They would then consult with the ephod, can this person be served as a priest? And the ephod would give the answer. Yes, the person can. No, he can't. And so that was in place when the Jews came back, their first time when God brought them back. When God brings them back the second time, he's going to resurrect that again because their covenant hasn't been done away with. Um, and so that ephod will be re-resurrected um, and they will consult the Urim and Thummim. And from that point, God is then, will then be able to direct the Jews and say, okay, this one is of that tribe, that one is of that tribe, and thus they'll get their lineage sorted out. Once they do that, then they will be able to allocate out the territory by lot because that's how their, their territory is given to them. Is God, and even in Ezekiel's vision, God allocates it out by allotment. That's why he says two portions are to be given to Joseph. But you can, he, there's a lot more detail in uh, those passages of Scripture. And so that is how God is going to allocate out the geographic la uh, land to the nation of Israel. And that's why all of the tribes have to go back. It's not a case of just the one tribe gets to go back. All of them have to go back because that, that land has to be divided up equally among all of the tribes of Israel. And that's what's going to happen. And so, you know, it's just that's why we said in, in the previous teaching, God is going, He said, I'm going to bring you all back. Um, not a case He's going to leave some out. He's going to bring them all back because all of them have to uh, inherit their territory. 
as per God. God said he would do that. And so that's how all of that is going to transpire. Now, our Lord Jesus also mentioned something about this issue when he was on the earth. And we pick it up in Luke chapter 21, verse 24. Um, our Lord is prophesying about AD 70 and what will happen to Jerusalem after that period. He says, And they, shall, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles <clears throat> until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now that, our Lord prophesied AD 70. He said, and he was talking about Rome then coming against uh, Jerusalem, Israel, uh, because they rebelled against Roman rule from AD 66 to AD 70. Rome conquered them. And AD 70, Rome destroyed Israel. Rome destroyed the temple. And Rome then scattered the Jews throughout the earth. Our Lord said from that time that Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now that's exactly what transpired. From the AD 70, prior to AD 70, Jerusalem was 100% Jewish. There were no Gentiles living there. There were, um, well, even the Roman uh, occupiers, the Roman soldiers weren't there at that time because the Jews had kicked them out for that four-year period. And so it was completely 100% Jewish. But AD 70 comes around and the Romans conquered Jerusalem and the Jerusalem becomes 100% Gentile. There's no more Jews there. God takes all of the Jews out and they get taken out throughout. A lot of them get killed at that time and the rest get taken out into captivity. And so from AD 70, for quite a long period of time, there were no Jews there. So that's what our Lord said, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So what has transpired? From that time, um, for about two, three, four hundred years, no Jews. And then Jews started to slowly trickle back in, but still very minuscule in, in population size. But over the centuries, what has happened is more and more Jews have, have gone back to the city of Jerusalem. Forget about the nation, now I'm talking about, I'm concentrating on the city because our Lord spoke about the city. Um, more and more Jews trickled back into the city of Jerusalem. But nevertheless, all that time, the Gentiles have traveled that city underfoot. It's always been under Gentile control. Now, currently, we have Jerusalem under Jewish control, it's under the control of Israel. But nevertheless, there's still a very significant portion of Gentiles living in that city. Currently, there's roughly about 60% of that population is Jewish. But that still leaves roughly 40% of the population. Am I getting it right? Yes. Roughly 40% of the population is still Gentile. Um, and so the Gentiles are still currently trampling the city of Jerusalem underfoot. Why is that? Because of the time, the times of the Gentiles has not yet been fulfilled. I mean, that's what our Lord said would happen. From the time that uh, uh, Jerusalem fell until the time that the, uh, the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles has been fulfilled, the city of Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the uh, Gentiles. And so that's what's still currently happening. But we see in that the time of the Gentiles is coming to a completion. And we're going to touch on that in the end times as well. Um, and as our time draws to a close, when our Lord was speaking about the time of the Gentiles, he was talking about the time of the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. Because when that time closes, then Israel's time starts again. And so we're seeing the, uh, the Gentile time closing down. And more and more Jews um, 
entering into the city of Jerusalem. Now the majority of Jerusalem is Jewish, 60%. But nevertheless, a large portion of that population is still Gentile. And so Jerusalem is still being trampled by the Gentiles. But there's coming a time when there will be no more Gentiles in the city of Jerusalem. It'll be Jewish, 100%. And so that time will occur when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And that will occur when this whole thing takes place, where Israel increases her geographic location to include southern, southern Lebanon, southwestern Syria, and include the, the, what is currently called the occupied territories. They will all be completely 100% controlled by uh, Israel. Israel will then uh, allocate out the territory by lot, because the, Israel will then once again revert to Mosaic law. Um, God's going to do that. Now again, as I say, you go to natural Israel today, and that's an impossibility because, you know, the majority, the vast majority of the Jews are secular and they want nothing to do with God, and that, you know, that's just not their thing. But God's going to swing all of that around, and Israel will once again embrace Mosaic law. And so that's a miracle there taking place again. Now when that happens, they will then observe this allocation of their territory out by allotment and so that's what's going to happen as well um, and so there's a whole lot of interesting things that are really going to take place around Israel and the rest of the world is going to sit back and watch this and you know the church is going to rejoice because she's going to just see how God's doing stuff um, the world is going to be confounded because they're going to not understand how this happened but nevertheless it will happen it will come about and God will have his way and so that kind of brings us up to the end of where I want to concentrate on today. In the next teaching, we're going to touch on the temple itself, because I've kind of mentioned it in brief, um, how this is all going to tie in, and we'll see what the scripture says along that issue. But I want to do just tie in what God has said about the geographic location of Israel and how God's going to bring that to, how it's possible at this time for God to actually bring it about. It certainly looks like it's pretty much on the cards that within the not too distant future uh, we will see all of this transpiring in the geographic location of Israel. But we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.